Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Talk Radio, hosting America's Betrayal, and I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Liz Tice. Am I saying that right, Liz? That's correct. All right. And she's the founder of an organization in Houston called Stop the Magnet. I'm going to let her talk about what her organization is and what the issues are that public school parents teachers, students, and taxpayers are facing in Houston, but not just in Houston, as I've been arguing on this program and many others about the Islamic invasion within America, how this is part of the three phases of Islam, and not just with our students being taught Islam in public sport and in common core curriculum in public schools, but now how there is a new something called Arabic immersion program. And so there's Arabic immersion in addition to common core curriculum. And so as I've talked about in other programs, I focus specifically on common core and how parents cannot exempt their child from those classes. They cannot um, go in and view or um, question curriculum or testing. And that's a separate issue, and we'll talk more about that as I get into more about Islam and immigration and basic national security issues in America. But I want to have I wanted to have Liz on to explain what her organization is doing. And you can go to her website. Uh, that will be on my website, BethanyBlankley.com, and on Renegade Talk Radio. But you can go to her website at StopTheMagnet.com or org? Dot com. Dot com. So it's StopTheMagnet.com. And so I'm going to give give some uh, time now for Liz just to tell us a little bit about what is Stop the Magnet. And for people who don't live in Texas, just to understand basic uh, terminology, what is a magnet and why should people be concerned about this? Well, Stop the Magnet was formed around 2011 once um, I began to realize that a lot of our efforts in the Texas State Ledge were not really going after immigration enforcement. So we came up, myself and a few board members, came up with the concept of doing citizen-led petitions as a means to enforce our immigration laws. So here we are now. Uh, we have, over the years, we, we didn't get our signatures that we needed, but we kept up a blog presence, and we, of course, would go to Austin to lobby the state legislature so we can get those enforcement bills, which, of course, as you know from this last session, the 84th, we didn't get any enforcement to speak of either. But we do our best, and we try to create awareness around the immigration issues. We've done a lot of uh, demonstrations over freeways, working with the overpass movement, and handing out materials to the public. And just basically trying to keep the issue, you know, before us is, is an important issue relating to sovereignty. Um, what happened recently in Houston with the Arabic Immersion Magnet School that opened in my community, I was unaware of it until a little local newspaper called The Leader landed in my front yard. And I realized, you know, here we have increasing Islamic presence in our state. There had been a few incidents 
in the state of Texas. And so when the school opened up, I decided that this also, you know, is in the immigration domain because it affects our culture and it affects our voting patterns and our electorate. And I, I see it as a threat to our constitution because sometimes different cultures are being assimilated. So I began to sort of investigate what was going on with this school that opened up in my community. So that's kind of where I am now with the group and what we've been kind of focused on. So for people who don't live in Texas, can you tell them what a magnet school is? Oh, okay. Well, first of all, my group stopped the magnet. The word magnet refers to all of the things that draw in uh, large amounts of immigration, particularly the illegal immigration, obviously the jobs, the benefits, um, and all of the special treatments we watch as they increasingly are able to get, including uh, Social Security payments and all kinds of things, so they're not even citizens. But the magnet school, for those unfamiliar with the school system here in Houston, a magnet is a school where you don't have to be zoned to that to that particular school campus. If it has a specialized area of learning and you go in and apply, um, you, your child can attend that school. And in this case, it's focused on the Arabic language. They call it the Arabic Immersion Magnet School. So that's what they mean by magnets in the context of Houston ISD. Okay, and so the idea, one of the things that Liz has on her website, which, by the way, is StopTheMagnet.com. There's excellent resources on there to educate yourself about immigration and education and some really great links to videos and audio from Texas Independent School District board meetings and information about legislation and Cutter. We want to talk more about, as for people who've listened to my show, we've talked a lot about Cutter and Saudi Arabia funding Common Core through Pearson Education and through other means. But one of the great things that what Liz has done is that she has asked for public records and documents showing that the Cutter Foundation that is seeking to advance Islam in America and in our public schools has had a lot of uh, grants and money flowing into these Arabic immersion schools. And so one of the things that she has done is she has um, been getting hundreds and hundreds of documents showing where is this, where is the money coming from? Where is the support coming from? Uh, to have such an Arabic immersion uh, school in her area. And I wonder if you could speak to that. Right. Um, What I did is, obviously, I started digging around on the web, and I realized that there was a uh, group of authorities, people who were really focused on counter-jihad and what what is going on with Islam, some of the latest strategies they're using. And um, the website I started reading up on was called Stop, Stop Cutter Now, spelled Q-A-T-A-R, and that's where you can really learn more about this particular nation state and its activities and involvement. So I began to sort of link what was going on with HISD by using open records and getting the principal's emails as well as copies of the contracts 
And through that website, I learned it wasn't just HIC. In fact, over the years, they had been involved in all these college exchange programs. We're talking Texas A&M, and I believe the Brookings Institute has a close relationship with them. But you can see them really making a lot of allies within our institutions nationwide. And indeed, it wasn't just HIC. We also saw Tucson, a Tucson local school district, accepting the money and getting involved. And on the website, some of these people were writing these authorities on this topic, like Frank Gaffney, Pamela Geller, uh, Robert Spencer, um, Colonel Allen West. They were writing letters to these institutions, warning them, to, you know, about Cutter and their involvement, their indirect ties to financing terror and stirring up things in the Middle East. And they were warning these institutions to, to stop accepting this finance. Mm. So here we had just the latest, which was the local district in my community, also being part of this. So what we decided to do was to go to the next board meeting, and I rounded up as many people as I could to go down there and speak about this to the HIC school board. This school had already uh, got unanimous approval from the entire HIC school district board back in November of 2013. So we were already late to the party, but I thought, you know what, it's going to be opening up here in this coming year in August. Uh, we need to go down there and let them know we don't approve, and there are people that are against it. So that's what we did. Each of us took the microphone for about 60 seconds, and we did not get a response from the board. They just stared at us, sort of beady-eyed. But everyone got on tape. They filmed those meetings, so I felt like it was valuable for history itself to show there was some resistance to this. It wasn't just um, the three people who were forwarding this this school. And uh, we came back later, and we said our our piece on this topic. All right. So we're listening to Liz Tice, and I want to take a break real quick. We're going to get back. We're going to talk more about what is happening with Arabic immersion schools and the nation state of Qatar and, and flooding our institutions with money like Georgetown and our politicians who are taking money from these organizations. We'll be right back. You're listening to Bethany Blankley on Renegade Talk Radio. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Hey, everyone. It's Bethany, and we're back on Renegade Talk Radio, and... We're talking to Elizabeth or Liz Tice, and she is the head and founder of an organization based in Houston called Stop the Magnet. And we're talking specifically about a school that she became aware of and has been asking for public records and other information from her local school board about a, an Arabic immersion magnet school on Durham Drive and West 28th Street in Houston. It's the site of the former Holden Elementary School. And so we're going to talk more about this with Liz. Liz, maybe what can you tell us that why should parents be concerned about having an Arabic immersion school in their town? 
Well, one of the things that I learned, besides, you know, being sort I've read a lot about Islamic issues and what's going on in Europe. And besides that, already getting my antenna up, the fact that we have ISIS at the border here, we have all these incidents occurring. We're not, as a nation, really uh, strapped in tight on understanding how Islam operates. Some of us do, the experts, but there are so many of us that don't fully understand how it operates in our in our Western countries. And one of the techniques is infiltration. And I'm sure there are some good guys that are that are Muslims out there, but the problem is we have no way of knowing which ones have a different agenda. And of course our immigration system is just all over the place. It's completely lawless. So that means we are all seriously at risk from a, just a national security standpoint. So here all of a sudden, we have this school opening up with Arabic. And the claim being made by a member of the Arabic community, the Arab Cultural Community Center here in Houston, who is advocating strongly for it and indeed working directly with the Houston Independent School District, the trustees and the superintendent, you know, is the fact that we don't, you know, how is it that the average tax-paying citizen, where does that guy fit in? Where does the property rights guy fit into this to just wake up and realize that this vote was passed without their awareness? And, you know, you have to ask, is Arabic, especially in a city like Houston, really close to the border and a main, sort of a main drop-off point for many of these refugees that have crossed the border? And we know that we're obligated to put them through our school system. We know already that the big language challenge is getting all of these people speaking English and assimilating. So where does it fit in, then, that suddenly we have Arabic immersion? based on their so-called 75,000-strong Arabic community in Houston. Well, I mean, you're telling me that they can't teach their own offspring Arabic at home and that just the general taxpaying public needs to take on an additional, and I would say exotic, um, you know, it, you know, emphasis here in education when we have a high dropout rate. None of it really fits. And that's what led to me sort of digging around and really getting an angle on what these people are up to, aside from the spin that they're giving to the public. Yes. And what's fascinating is, and I'll be talking about this more, are the approximately 100,000 Muslims being imported every month to the United States of America as part of the refugee resettlement program. That is, a again, a federal program. And one of the issues that Liz points out is that the money coming in for Arabic immersion schools is a federal government program. So these schools are taking money from the federal government. And I'm wondering if you could speak more to that, that of some of the things you've uncovered when you've received these documents of public records related to the Mm -hmm. Qatar Foundation. Right. Well, right off the bat, the taxpayer is going to have to take on some of the cost of just staffing and operating any school in a local district. So you know that, you know, X percentage of it is going to be financed by local taxes. But what they did was they, they, they become enticed with this new push towards languages, which hooks up to this little mantra of diversity. 
inclusiveness. So, you know, if you have another language in your, in your city, well, I guess that means we're going to have to to start learning Bhutanese or or Hindu or, or Farsi or whatever the language may be, based on some odd you know numbers game. And certainly, you know, all of us are going to have to accommodate this these exotic language learning programs that the federal government is sort of you know again pushing that agenda through the the i think it's called the stem program science technology and yes. uh, math and in there is this language strand so they kind of they can pick up a few thousand bucks that way and of course they can supplement it by taking money from the Cutter Foundation, which again comes in and inserts and injects a little more money through that strand. So you have this variety of, of ways of beefing up their budget. So then they go for it. And I really think it allows them to hide from the essentials. You know, we have huge amounts of immigrants here coming from all over the place, and we can't focus on just getting them speaking English. We have test scores that, you know, where we have low performance as a result of huge uh, influxes of populations that none of us actually invited here. And and so the school district has some major issues to contend with, but yet they go off on these limbs. And, and they're claiming that because Houston is an oil and gas city, and indeed Houston got on the map being an oil and gas center and providing many jobs and opportunities here, um, we've managed for decades after decades to, to, to function without um, teaching people Arabic. I mean, I didn't really see where that fit. You know, I asked people I knew that were engineers and that traveled a lot, all involved in the oil and gas industry, and I asked them, do you think it's important that um, our students out there, their students learning Arabic for the sake of this, um, you know, this oil and gas industry? And, and they just laughed. They thought it was really funny. Well, yeah, of course not. Well, they know English. Yeah, you know? of course. So I just wanted to check and show that, okay, I'm going to take what their public statements are, and I'm going to ask around and make sure I'm not missing anything. But once I, I got into the emails, that's where I began to see that the principal was really working hard on getting people that were in far foreign regions like Beirut, and she she was being sort of guided by the Cutter Foundation and encouraged, oh, this individual uh, used to work uh, for the Cutter Foundation or the Cutter Foundation would intercede. And you could see there was a lot of play to help staff the school. There was one individual that was in Boston that didn't have proper credentials or a visa to be here in one of the district to help get those papers lined up. So instead of hiring locally, local Americans or maybe a person from that 75,000 strong Arabic community here we have HIC reaching out halfway across the globe to hire more foreign workers and help them get all the uh, needed visas or teacher certification credentials that were needed. Um, and apparently the Cutter Foundation helps expedite that process as well. So I kind of wonder what is the game? I mean, that would be a great opportunity for someone that really didn't have, uh, let's say, the best love for the United States to kind of get in. Uh, through this foundation, take a job as a teacher here in a local school district. I mean, you have to raise all of the possibilities. But yeah, I just don't think it's um it's a needed program, and I think there's a lot of uh, 
deception going on. There is definitely a lot of deception. In fact, I would even say that's an understatement. The B-13 visas that are being used are are being used not just by Arabic immersion, but also through the Gulan Charter School Network, which, by the way, is the largest charter school network in the country, in the United States of America, by a man who lives in the Poconos, who is committed to educating children and creating a worldwide caliphate, as I've talked about in other programs related to the Muslim Brotherhood's goal for North America the goal of islam not just in qatar but in other of in all of the 56 islamic countries the idea is infiltration immigration procreation and then you implement sharia on different facets so on the one level what liz and her organization stop the magnet have been doing is to focus on educating people making them aware of arabic immersion schools in their neighborhoods that their tax dollars are paying for that the federal government is paying for that's taking money from an organization funneled through the libyan a libyan um financial authority that is uh, largely owned by groups affiliated with terrorism, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Turkey, all of these countries who, by the way, have funded ISIS and are in support of ISIS. And so what's very interesting is that what Liz points out is why why bring in someone from Beirut, which is Leb- in Lebanon, which, by the way, is firing missiles and rockets into Israel from a few miles away, less than a few miles away. Imagine living in, living in New Jersey and being bombed by somebody in Delaware. It's very it's very easy. It's very easy to think about it when you're thinking about the United States of America in terms of how easy it is to cross state borders. It's no different than in Lebanon and Israel where you can fire a rocket from Lebanon into Israel and yet Beirut, which is where Hezbollah is, they are going to be sending teachers from Beirut to Houston to teach children Arabic, but what is being taught in Arabic? That's another question to ask is what is actually the curriculum that these children are going to be taught in Arabic? And one of the questions Liz raises is why not bring someone from the community that already exists in Houston? And my argument is most of Muslim, most Muslims, most women, um, especially first or second generation, they're illiterate. If they've come over from the Middle East, they can't read or write. Now, their kids, they will phonetically understand Arabic because it's spoken in the home. But no one is really in a position to teach them how to read and write it. And so my whole argument has, and my advocacy has been educating people about what does the Quran actually teach and what is Islam as an ideology in light of the fact that even most Muslims cannot read it. And, and so when you look at that, 
you realize there's a huge problem with even the blind leading the blind. And so we're going to get more into, in the next segment, we're going to get more into, well, what can parents do? Uh, what do they need to learn and be aware of in their own communities? Uh, you're listening to Bethany Blankley on Renegade Talk Radio and Liz Tice, who's the founder and head of an organization in Houston called Stop the Magnet. You can go to her website and learn more at StopTheMagnet.com. And we'll be right back after this break. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. All right, and we're back. You're listening to Bethany on Renegade Talk Radio and Liz Tice, who's the founder and head of Stop the Magnet in Houston. And so, Liz, we were just talking about Arabic immersion in Houston, and you were you raised a good question. Why is the school board not hiring local teachers or even uh, local teachers to teach gym or even English, as you had mentioned, that they would need someone to teach gym and that not everything is being taught in Arabic? Right. From from my perusal of those emails of the principal, it looked like they really gave her, as the principal, the full authority to choose the staff as she saw fit. But they have highly specialized people hired by the district to deal with these visas and teachers that aren't fully certified yet and maybe they need to be taking courses while they are teaching as probably many of your listeners know in these urban districts there's always these teacher shortages so but they they go to great lengths to hire people on uh, H-1B visas or otherwise and bring in people from outside of the United States without fully really maximizing their, their opportunities right here in a city like Houston that they claim is diverse. Well, if it's so diverse and we have all these Arabs here, why can't they find at least one teacher right here without having to get some lady out of Boston that is affiliated with the Cutter Foundation and is not doesn't have all, have all of her papers? Why can't they hire, you know, a local American guy so they can acculturate here, you know, just to teach gym? or to have them do track or whatever, teach health. A veteran, Um, even. Right. And there's just no effort there at all. And what what I was seeing was that the principal seemed to be really drawn in this direction. In other words, she she wasn't complaining about how hard it was to find people to work there. What I was seeing was that she was Skyping and doing all of this communication and with these uh, uh, recommendations she was getting from the Cutter Foundation, and they were in far-flung places, and she was inspired by that, it seemed. She's an an American lady. She considers herself the girl next door. But reading what she's written, when when she received criticism and jury from the community, I was able to read her comments on the Houston ISD blog, and I was really able to get a picture of this woman and what she's like. She is very liberal. She's disdainful of the American people. This is something that it just seems they want these people out. They want to bring in their ideas, their new ideas, and they don't 
you know, they, they aren't proud to be American by any stretch. They want everything as foreign and exotic as possible. And that's who is running that school. Mm. But I don't really think she's fully aware of the phenomena of this infiltration. Well, well even if she were, she's, she's really not playing with. Yeah, I mean, even if she were, she's not going to be forthright about it. So yeah, that's true. So we're, there, instead there, of hiring a vet, go ahead. Right. What I was going to point out also that's important is that there's interaction with the Arab. It's called the bilateral Arab-U.S. Chamber of Commerce. It's bilateral thing, and basically we have these people also pushing for this school. And she had gone to one of their conferences, and this is where a lot of wealthy. Uh, people in oil and gas from the Middle East are gathering and rubbing shoulders, and they are uh, promoting this school. And, you know, you can look on Twitter and kind of get an angle on this U.S. Arab Chamber of Commerce organization. But why do we have these kinds of groups with their fingers all in our local school district? You know, what is it about all of these connections that seem to ride right over you know, the average American parent trying to get their kid through school, you see? So that's a whole other element to this thing that is because they could have, in my opinion. So, for example, uh, if you wanted to send your child to a Christian school or private school, you can send them to a school that's going to teach from a Christian or a biblical perspective. If you're Jewish and you want to te- send your child to... Um, Hebrew school, you're going to do that. So the question is, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you have a private school do the same thing? And the answer is that within Islam, you have someone else pay for it. So you have the federal government, you have tax dollars pay for it because of the concept of dimitude and the kufar, and the kufar are the non-believer. They are considered a third-class citizen. So under Islam, under the Quran, you are going to come up with ways to have other people pay for what you think should happen, which is why 80% of Muslims in Europe are on welfare. They're not uh-huh. on welfare because they can't work. So so the reality is that I think what you're doing is a great service to taxpayers, to American citizens to understand uh, this is where their tax money is going. And so what are you saying to parents like yourself who don't have children in these schools, that you don't have a child in a magnet school like uh, the Arabic Immersion Program? Well, why should other what should parents care? Why should they care? What can they do about? Um, about schools like this? Right. Well, to me, the reasons they should care is, number one, as you mentioned, we are being forced to pay for really uh, services that, that aren't in the best interest of the United States. And there's if we're forced already to pay for you know, overwhelming numbers of immigrants crossing over the border illegally from Central America, Latin America, via the court ruling, we're already forced to pay from Plyler Vito for those folks. So why now, all of a sudden, do we have to add to the aggravation uh, with something like Arabic, which is really just not, I'm sorry, not an essential skill. And in fact, in Houston, two high schools dropped it, but they're still going to continue to push for it. 
that's why I do think it's apparent to have it on their radar, but also it is, like it or not, a national security issue because we don't really know the intent of all the people coming over and with ISIS roaming and open borders. And it could be in New Jersey. It could be anywhere. These people are moving around anywhere. So... That's why parents should be concerned. And then the other thing is, um, you know, I'm like, I don't want anyone pulling the wool over my eyes. I want to I wanna do something about it. I want to turn the tables on them and expose it. So the best thing for parents to do is to get educated on it. You've written a really excellent article linking Common Core and some of those Middle Eastern finance and these other countries, uh, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and so on. But they need to get involved with their school board. Go down there, look on the school board website and see when the next meeting is. And go down there and just find something that you're not happy with and go up there and speak for 60 seconds and get on the record. I mean, if there is something going on in your community, now you're going to know how to recognize it and kind of know the story. But also go, and you're paying taxes to the school board. If no one is resisting and no one is fighting back, they will do whatever they want. That's how we end up with these crazy programs because no one's paying attention. Well, and better yet, I have friends uh, in the American Renewal Project and other organizations who are telling people, run for school board, run for the county office, right. run for school board and get these crazy people off of school boards who the woman that I watched on the video of a link from the ISD, the, the chairwoman of the ISD, can't even pronounce the man's name that she's having testify as to why they should have Arabic immersion and she laughs saying oh she should take the class so she can learn how to pronounce his name and uh, then that was uh, Julia Chappelle she's what an idiot now she's busy with yeah Mexican American studies she's the one that brought it to Houston it's an oh. active She is such an idiot. What an idiot to say, oh, I can't even pronounce the name of the person who I'm going to have testify. And when he introduces himself and tells about his organization, he says it's a non-religious, non-partisan, non-political organization, which is a bunch of bunk. Because why else would you be wanting to teach (laughs) Islam and Arabic in a public school if it's not religious and if it's not political, give me a break. Right, and a, and, a, and a brief glimpse at their Facebook page shows some Palestinian events that were going on, and they were posting those pro-Palestinian events. And also, importantly, he mentioned the refugees coming in from the Middle East twice. And in my opinion, that may very well be one of the main reasons for that school is the uh, amazing amount of refugees we're going to get from the Middle East. Well, and what I've been hearing from my contacts is that Texas is the focus. Texas is the number one target for bringing in refugees through the Refugee Resettlement Program. Texas is the battle line. We are literally at the Alamo where we are having to defend English America not reciting the Pledge of Allegiance in Arabic, but understanding our constitutional rights and fighting against Sharia, having American laws for American courts, having the freedom to say that Muhammad was a pedophile without having to worry about being killed. I mean, there's a man who gets so fed up with his boss that he beheads him and puts his head on a post yesterday or today in France. This is what we are dealing with. This is not extremism. 
This is not, uh, these are not random acts of violence or terrorism. This is exactly beheading, violence, killing non-Muslims. This is all exactly what Mohammed did. And uh, I think another good point that Liz had brought up at, at one point during the break was we were talking about we don't know what these students are going to be taught in Arabic. We also don't know who is holding them accountable for any level of curriculum or, or grades passing or failing in terms of standards for grades or tests. And so if we don't know what they're being taught in Arabic, how, how are we supposed to even know that they are not being taught what, what people say they are not being taught? Exactly. Exactly, so. and a lot, actually, that is the first thought in many people's minds when they hear about this. And, what know, are they teaching? Kind of getting out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And some people really believe they will get into the Quran. I don't of know. Of course they are. The Quran is being people. taught right now in Common Core. <sighs> The Quran is being taught in Common Core. You want to talk about a violation of the First Amendment and the 14th Amendment? Liz has another good point. Parents, you have a responsibility regardless if your child is in that school or not. You are taxpayers, and we are responsible for the next generation, for our children, for their welfare. This is a national security issue. Uh, You know, you can listen to my other programs or the articles on my website, bethanyblankley.com. To learn more and get more information, go to StopTheMagnet.com. I want to thank Liz for being on this program. We've been talking about Arabic immersion in public schools that your federal government is paying for. And, uh, you know, I'll be back. We'll be talking more about this. Thanks, Liz, for joining me. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure.